Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, a weekly episode podcast series where I try to break down simple books on finance and money so that not only I, but you can understand it as well. This is a process where we both are learning. Hopefully, I'm giving you something of value. In the previous episode, we were introduced to this book, The Psychology of Money, and we realized that Morgan Housel has written, has written it less as a academic book on finance and money and more as a behavioral book to understand money. And it is perfect for someone who is stepping in to um, either understanding money, either through a career or education point of view and uh, is earning money and wants to realize how best to save and spend, but most importantly, think about it. In this chapter or in this episode, we go through the first chapter titled, No One's Crazy. The personal experiences with money make up maybe 0.0000000.1%, that's seven zeros followed by a one, of what's happened in the world, but maybe 80% of how you think the world works. He starts off by saying, let me tell you about a problem. It might, it might make you feel better about what you do with your money and less judgmental about what other people do with theirs. People do some crazy things with money, but no one's actually crazy. People from different generations, different uh, geographies, different nationalities, different everythings uh, have different ways to think about money. And that's what this chapter very clearly deciphers. He talks about several things, uh, several market cycles, several geographies, for instance, people who lived in a time where um, inflation was rampant, probably preferred invest investing in, say, the stock market compared to where interest rates were really high, where they preferred investing in the bond markets. Now, simple pieces of differentiation. A bond is a fixed income or debt type instrument where you give money to someone and you get it back after a particular period of time. And during that particular period of time, the person who you've lent the money to pays you a certain interest rate. Uh, stock prices, on the other hand, are a form of ownership, where if you lend money to someone else, you own part of their business, which is uh, the stock market or the equity market or the share markets, uh, which we call nowadays. And the bond markets is the debt markets that we uh, also use. Um, and he also uh, gives the example of people who lived in different countries, for instance, he says the Australian who hasn't seen a, re a recession in 30 years has experienced something no American ever has. Your personal experiences with money, as he, as he says in the, in the introduction, rather, makes up very little of what actually happens in the world. So equally smart people can disagree about how and why recessions happen how you should invest your money and what you should prioritize, how much you should, how much risk you should take and so on. The challenge for us is that no amount of studying or open-mindedness can genuinely recreate the power of fear and uncertainty. For instance, someone who's lived through the Great Depression of the 1920s, which happened in America, or someone who lived through the financial crisis, which happened in 2008 in many parts of the world, or someone who lived through and is currently living through the COVID uh, depression, at least in the stock market for a very short period of time, and who's experiencing some sort of creeping increase in prices right now, has a different perspective than someone who will 
learn about the stock market and learn about finance in the next 10 years or so. He adds saying, we all think we know how the world works, but we've only experienced a tiny sliver of it. He then gives a very important example of inflation. He says that if you grew up with inflation, when inflation was high, you invested less of your money in bonds later in life compared to those who grew up when inflation was low. The simple principle that um, Housel is touching upon is whenever inflation is high, it generally means that the price of everything in relation to what it was previously has gone up. The price of uh, a loaf of bread, the price of a carton of milk, price of um, a simple trip to a restaurant has generally gone up. And um, this also reflects on the stock market when uh, the price of certain shares go up. The reason being, if there's an increase in inflation, it's probably because the money that was there in the economy has certainly gone up. Meaning if there was 100 units of money, it's now gone up to 110 or 120. That excess money, people are putting it into several things. They're using it to buy furniture, using it at restaurants, buy houses, etc. This form of economic activity will lend itself to the people who make this furniture, these houses, or this, or, or, or engage in this construction construction activity. Therefore, as this activity ramps up, the, their, these companies' share prices will also increase. He says, if you happen to grow up when the stock market was strong, that is, when these sorts of reasons have led to an increase in share prices, you invested more of your money in stocks later in life compared to those who grew up when stocks week and he's given several examples of bond traders who succeeded when the opposite was true when when the money supply or the amount of money in the economy the hundred units remained at hundred units and therefore the price of debt or bond or bonds um, um, was the same but the interest was high meaning that if I lent money to someone else it was at a higher rate of interest than it is right now Two groups of people, he said, separated by their chance of birth here, go through life with a completely different view on how the stock market works, because that is what we all want to understand in order to understand this game that is finance. Um, unemployment also plays a very important role uh, and unemployment between various classes of people. Uh, he says America is nationwide unemployment in November 2009 that's when the aftermath of the financial crisis happened was around 10 percent but that for other disparaged communities like african americans was 49 percent it was almost five times as high stock markets in germany and japan were wiped out during world war ii these two nations were um were defeated in the war and hence their economy was uh, un 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 unsurprisingly ravaged um the other is the employment conditions that people in well-off countries like the West compared to not very well-off countries like Asia, especially East Asia, completely different. Uh, he says, a few years ago, the New York Times did a story on the working condition of Foxconn, a Taiwanese electronics manufacturer. The conditions were often atrocious. Readers were, re were really upset. But a Chinese worker said, my aunt worked several years in, a, in what Americans call sweatshops, but I'm, I'm okay with that because previously she was a prostitute. The idea of working in a sweatshop compared to that old lifestyle is an improvement. That is why I'm upset by what other people, especially the West, like to say. 
we do not have the same opportunities as the West. Um, the country is different. Yes, factory labor is hard labor. Could it be better? Yes. But only when you compare us or our jobs to the American life. It's all about the standard of living and it's all about the quality of life, as Housel says. And in order to understand that, it's very difficult when we rarely see things from anyone else's perspective and only use ours. He gives another example of lottery tickets where most people who consume lottery tickets, whether it's in America or any other part of the world, is uh, are the poor. The reason for that is a chance at lottery, a chance at winning the lottery rather, gives people the hope uh, uh, to, 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 to dream. It's, it's that fuel of aspiration. It's that fuel of, if I had enough money, I wouldn't be struggling. If I had enough money, I would afford a vacation. If I had enough money, I would put my uh, children through whatever I want them to. The example of uh, sweatshops and the example of lottery tickets are just that it's, it's perspective and it's completely different than what you can envision versus what somebody else can. The other is the importance of retirement. In, in America, the form of retirement is social security and um, a 401k. In India, the simple equivalent is pension plan governed by under the national pension scheme or the NPS and and various employers have different provident funds so when you leave an, an organization after a certain period of time you get a certain amount of money so that yeah that period of unemployment will certainly be covered and it it is surprising that um, he says it should come as no surprise that many of us are bad at saving and investing for retirement we're not crazy, we're all just new. These forms of, of securities, financial securities for either the unemployed or the old age are certainly very new. It's, it's the same for colleges, for education and anything to do with finance. And the interesting thing about finance, which Housel does touch upon throughout the book is it affects everything you do. It's not something you learn in principle, it's something you learn in practice. And everybody is just winging it in his words, whether it's complex products like hedging and hedge funds or simple products like index funds, everything, all of these financial products are fairly new. So the simple thing is don't take these things too seriously. Um, understand them at its core, but more importantly, understand them from your perspective. And, and there's no one size fits all in finance. For a topic that is so influenced by emotion and perspective over reason, this is a problem, he says, and it helps explain why we don't always do what we're supposed to do with money. We all do crazy stuff with money because we're all relatively new to this game. And what looks crazy to you might make sense to me, but no one is crazy, as the name of the chapter goes. We all make decisions based on our own unique experiences that seem to make sense to us in a given moment. That's the end of the first chapter from the book, The Psychology of Money. Um, I hope you're learning as much as I am. If there's any way I can improve this uh, very simple and short podcast, please let me know. That's it from this episode. Um, I hope you'll catch us next.